Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from Victory Baptist Church in Hope Mills, North Carolina. I pray that God uses this message to help you worship God, strengthen your relationship, and glorify Him. Without further ado, here is this week's message. Uh, Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for all the blessings that you give to us. God, we thank you for the brisk weather this morning that that we have these changing seasons, Lord, because you have kept our world in order. God, we thank you that that you are uh, a wise God who who can manage to keep it all in order, but you're also a a God of the details, that, that you care about the details of our lives. So God, this morning as we dive into your word, I pray, God, that you will uh, show us something in here that affects the details of our life. Help us, God, to, to use this text to grow closer to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So we, can, we are continuing our sermon series in the book of Ephesians. Uh, we're calling it Live Worthy of Your Calling. And we get that from uh, chapter 4, verse 1, where Paul says, Therefore, I, the prisoner in the Lord, urge you to live worthy of the calling you have received. That live worthy of the calling you have received, we talked about that a little bit in Sunday school this morning. But basically what, what Paul's talking about is the Ephesians, well, they lived in Ephesus, and they lived in this, this city that's telling them that they needed to behave a certain way that they needed to behave like Ephesians, that they didn't need to act so weird. They didn't need to stand out so much from the crowd. But sure, they could believe in the Bible. They could, they could believe in Jesus. Well, I say the Bible. They didn't have the Bible as we know it then. But they could believe in Jesus. They could believe the gospel. But they didn't need to stand out so much from the crowd. They really needed to act more like Ephesians. And Paul says, no, live worthy of the calling that you have received. And that calling is as a Christian. You are called by the gospel to be a Christian. And so Paul says, live worthy of that calling, live worthy of the gospel. Now we live in a very similar culture where we have people all around us telling us that we should behave a certain way, that we should act you know, a certain way, whether it's you know, act like Christians or act like Southern Baptists or, or act like uh, Americans or, or, or act like teachers or, or, or whatever it is that we're supposed to act like. And Paul says, no, live worthy of the calling that you have received. We base our behavior on the gospel and what Jesus has done for us. And so he spent the first three chapters of this book outlining and detailing what the gospel is. And in the last three chapters, he really details how that affects the, every aspect of our life. In last week's sermon, we saw that Paul used the metaphor of light and dark. He said that they were darkness and now they are children of light. The Ephesian believers were darkness and now they are children of light. It just seems obvious that the Ephesian Christians are going to stand out. You see, even a small source of light stands out in the darkness. But Paul builds on that theme in this passage. And so this morning, we are in chapter 5, verses 15 to 21, and we see uh, Paul contrasts some dark foolishness versus light wisdom. So dark foolishness or light wisdom. And what we see, the main idea, is that surrender to Jesus brings wisdom. And that plays out in kind of three portions of this passage, and that's uh, where Paul says to pay attention. That's the first section, and the next section is understanding the Lord's will, and then the final section is about giving thanks. Um, So we'll go ahead and jump right into this text, uh, starting in verses 15 and 16. Paul says, pay careful attention then to how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time, because the days are evil. So Paul says to pay careful attention then to how you live. So Paul tells the Ephesians that, they, that uh, the way they live requires some extra thought and effort. Uh, 
The life of a Christian is not something to take for granted, but it's lived with a purpose. Today, the same rings true for us. This is not something that we should be lazy about, but intentional. Paul says we must pay careful attention, not just paying attention to whatever we want. And there are lots of things in this world that want to steal our attention, you know, whether it, uh, it should be you know, Netflix or, or Facebook or TV or, or football or YouTube. There's all these things that are stealing our attention from where it should be. These are not what Paul tells us to, to pay careful attention to. He tells us to pay careful attention to how you should live. Well, I will say it would be quite odd if Paul said, don't pay attention to Netflix. <laughs> but pay careful attention to how you live. This is because how we live is a witness to those around us. Now, in last week's sermon, we studied that Paul contrasted the life of the believer with the unbeliever with the metaphor of light versus dark. In verse 8, he said, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the world. Live as children of the light. So pay careful attention to how you live is referring back to the section about light versus dark. Pay attention that your life shows that you are a child of light, that your life shows the fruit of light and not the fruit of darkness. Now, if we keep reading, we see that the, the light versus dark is not the only contrast that Paul outlines for us. He says, not as unwise people, but as wise. Now, this, this metaphor is pretty easy for us to understand. It's the, the metaphor is still in common use in our culture today. We talk about shining a light on a subject when, when we learn more about it. Paul makes clear that light and dark is equated with wise and unwise. Paul says that those that are darkness are unwise people, and those that are light are wise. But where does this wisdom come from? How do we find this wisdom, and, and how do we live as wise people? Well, the Bible closely associates wisdom with honoring and obeying God. Uh, first, we see that, well, maybe not first, but uh, this first passage I have up here we see is uh, Psalm 1-7. Uh, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. So wisdom comes from fearing the Lord. But Jesus also uh, had something to say about this as well. He ties in the theme of light and dark, too. Jesus, uh, in John 8-12, Jesus spoke to them again, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. See, Jesus is the light that makes the path clear. Jesus is the light that, that shines on that darkness to bring wisdom for us. Now, I remember many years ago, and some of y'all do too, when I was in the youth group at, at Highland, and we would play this game called Sardines. When we have a lock-in, we'd play this game called Sardines. And it was such a fun game. So if you don't know what the game is, let me explain it to you. So Sardines is basically, it, it's, it's like hide-and-seek, uh, hide except it's played in the dark with all the lights off. And so you have this one pair goes to hide, and then everybody else goes to try to find them. And you're wandering around the church in the dark. Now, Highland has some sections or some areas in that, in that building that get so dark that you can't see a difference in having your eyes open or eyes closed. It's that dark. You, you literally can't tell or you can't see the difference in eyes open and eyes closed. And so what happens is, is you have all these... these kids wandering around in the dark. It led to some pretty fun times. Um, but those who don't follow Jesus are walking around in that type of darkness and confusion. They, they can't see. There's no, there's no light to show them this wisdom. But Jesus is the light who lets us see the path. Now, it was always funny or painful when someone would flip on a light switch. 
You know, sometimes it would happen on accident because you're, you're feeling through the walls trying to f not run into the walls and you accidentally hit a light switch. Or when the game's over or that round is over and you turn on the light switch, everybody goes, oh, and they're, and they're making this face and hiding their eyes from the light because the light hurt their eyes. Their eyes had adjusted somewhat to the darkness. I mean, you can only adjust so much to complete darkness. But your eyes are trying to find that light and all of a sudden it's flooded with light and it's painful. And the same is true for us spiritually. When we're wandering around in the darkness, and all of a sudden, the gospel shines a light on us. It can be painful because it shows us all the areas of our unwise life. It shows us all the sin in our life. It can be painful and we want to shrink back away from it because we want to hide that sin. We don't want it to be brought to light. It's tempting to hide from the light because it exposes our lack of wisdom. It exposes our sin. Sometimes we'd rather stay in the dark and continue the life of sin. But Jesus calls us to follow him because he is the light of life. Paul says that if we walk as children of the light, as wise people, but again, as we keep reading, Paul breaks down this, break, uh, continues to break this down for us. Hmm. That shouldn't be there. I'll have to come back to it. All right. Um, I'm sorry. No, I went too far ahead. Uh, so Paul's talking about uh, making the most of the time because the days are evil. Uh, part of paying careful attention to how you live is making the most out of your time. We know that the time we have here on this earth is limited. And we know that even within that limited time, the relationships that we have with people are limited within that time. You know, sometimes, some of us have people that we've known basically our whole lives, and we will know them basically for the rest of our lives. But most of the relationships that we have aren't like that. People come into our life for a season, and then they go out of our life. So these this time that we have with people is limited. So we have to make the most of the time. And so thinking about the time that we have on earth, we make the most of the time by doing what we were created to do. We were created to worship and glorify God. And in thinking about the time that we have with other people, we make most of that time by being obedient to the Great Commission, making disciples. Making disciples means being in intentional relationships to help others and to help ourselves to grow closer to God. Or to tie it into the Sunday school lesson, we could say that make, uh, making disciples are sanctifying relationships. Relationships that help us to grow closer to God. So be careful to be wise and make good use of your time. But this phrase, the days are evil, requires a little bit of extra attention from us. What does Paul mean when he says the days are evil? Well, Paul is referring to the present age. This is the age that is characterized by disobedience to God, a preference for sin, and a corrupting influence of Satan. But we know that this age is not here to stay. When we look at the overarching story of the Bible, we can see four main sections. And this is where that slide's supposed to be. Four main sections. And the Bible starts all the way back in Genesis 1 with creation. God created the whole world. God created the whole universe. And he created us special in this universe. He created us to be in perfect relationship with him. He created us to be in perfect relationship with each other and in perfect relationship with the rest of creation. God looked at his creation and he said, it is good. And that good there means that it is fulfilling its purpose. So in creation, we were perfectly fulfilling our purpose of worshiping and glorifying God and being in relationship with him, being in relationship with everybody else and with the rest of creation. But we look around us and we see, well, that's not how it is anymore. We're not in perfect relationship with God anymore. We're not in perfect relationship with each other anymore. And we're not in perfect relationship with the rest of creation. So what went wrong? This is what we call the fall. And this is where sin comes into the world. Sin came in and corrupted creation. Now sin, 
started with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. But each and every one of us are guilty of sin. Every time that we disobey God's will in our life, we can have sins of commission. It's where we're doing things we're not supposed to do. We have sins of omission. This is where we're not doing things that we are supposed to do. Or we have sins of cognition. This is sinful thoughts like uh, lust and envy or hate. So these, these sin, this sin separates us from God. And that leads us to this place of brokenness. Well, is there any hope? Yes, there is hope. There's a rescuer. And that rescuer is Jesus. And Jesus came to pay the penalty for our sins. He took the punishment that we deserve and he died on the cross to pay that penalty. He took God's wrath and he offers us reconciliation with God. He declares us righteous. That means we are justified in, uh, in God's presence when we place our faith in him. But this is where in Sunday school we talked about this idea of already not yet, or already but not yet. So we are already saved. The kingdom of God is here in us but it's not here all the way yet. It's not yet fully realized because as Paul said, the days are evil. And so what's gonna happen eventually is, what is are we gonna stay in this already but not yet stage? No, eventually we read in Revelation that there's going to be a restoration where God is going to come and fully implement his kingdom here on earth. And we will be restored back to the way that things were supposed to be in creation. Those who have placed their faith in Jesus will be here for that restoration. Those who have not placed their faith in Jesus, well, they're not going to be restored with God. They're not going to have their relationship with God restored. They will be sent to an eternity in hell. And so this already but not yet, it's going on now. The kingdom of God is here in us, in the church, but it's not here fully yet because the days are evil. Jesus is coming back one day to restore creation to the way that it was. But until that time, we must be careful because the days are evil. Paul continues this theme of wise and unwise in the next set of verses. Picking up in verse 17, he says, So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, living, but be filled by the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord. And Paul says, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So again, Paul contrasts the two states, foolishness and understanding the Lord's will. Foolishness here refers to ignorance of God's values, concerns, and authority, similar to what we see written in Psalm 14. Psalm 14 says, the fool in his heart says there is no God. They are corrupt. They do vile deeds. There is no one who does good. Now, it's only through knowledge of God's will that we can overcome this foolishness. Actually, we must do more than understand God's will. We must surrender to it. But to, under, to, to understand and surrender to God's will, we must study God. Well, how do we study God? I mean, there's, there's a big philosophical question for you. How do we study God? How can we know God? Well, here's a simple answer to a tough question. We study how God has revealed himself to us. God has chosen to reveal himself to us in three main ways. We see general revelation, we see Jesus' life, and we see uh, God reveal himself in his word. So there would be kind of two main ways. There's general revelation and specific special revelation. General revelation is that God has revealed himself to us in his creation. When we wake up and we see the sunrise in the morning, we say, wow, that's so beautiful. Or when we look up in the, at the stars at night and say, wow, who could have created such beauty? 
Well, that's God. That's general revelation, that awe and that wonder that we see in creation. The order that we see in creation, that's general revelation. I know a lot of math teachers who, who say that they, they can find God in the order of math and that, that two plus two is always four. And it's not something that we created, but a truth that we recognize and that points back to God's order. We didn't create two. We didn't create two plus two is four. It's just a truth of the matter of the way the world works because the world is orderly and the world is orderly because God is orderly. That's general revelation. But then we have special revelation. There's two aspects of special revelation. That's Jesus's life. Jesus came and he lived the perfect life that we couldn't live. And he pointed perfectly to God. He is the revelation of God displayed for us. His life is the life of God. He is God come to earth in the flesh, lived among us. He is the revelation of God. And then the, the final aspect of uh, special revelation is God's word. We can know God through his word. Now, for those of us here today, this is the main way that we can study God is through his word, studying his word. He has chosen to reveal himself to us in the Bible. And so we study the Bible to know God. Reading and studying the Bible and applying it to our lives is understanding the Lord's will. Many, of us, or many have taken up the task of reading the Bible, but merely reading does not lead to wisdom. Many have taken the task of studying the Bible, but merely studying does not lead to wisdom. We must read and study the Bible, yes, but we can't stop there. We have to read, study, and apply the scriptures to our lives. That is wisdom. Now, Paul moves on here to a, from a very general topic to a very specific topic, drunkenness. He says, don't get drunk with wine. Now, right now, I'm not getting into whether or not drinking alcohol is a sin for Christians. But Paul, in this passage, does make something very clear. Drunkenness is a sin. He says, don't get drunk because it leads to reckless living. The reason that drunkenness is a sin is because of the loss of restraint that often comes with it. Or in keeping in line with this whole passage, Paul says, be careful how you live. And being drunk means we can't be careful with how we live. It leads to reckless living. You're contrasting that careful living versus reckless living. This recklessness is a direct contrast to the first verse in this sermon. Pay careful attention then how you live. If we're paying careful attention, then there will be no reckless living. So instead of being filled with alcohol, it says be filled by the Spirit. So how does one become filled by the Spirit? Well, that's by placing your faith in Jesus for salvation. And see, we're all sinners, and we broke the relationship that we had with our Creator. Because of our sin, we deserve death and eternal punishment. But God loves us so much that he sent his son, Jesus, to take our punishment. Jesus lived a perfect life, and he was sacrificed on the cross to take the punishment that we deserve. But since he is God's perfect son, the grave could not hold him. He was raised on the third day in victory over sin and death. And when we place our faith in him, our sin debt is wiped clean. God declares that we are righteous. But God also, once we place our faith in him, God sends his Holy Spirit to live in each and, every one, each and every believer. We have God in us. So be filled by the Spirit by placing your faith in Jesus and surrendering to his Spirit in you. Now to finish off this uh, section, we have two more verses. Uh, he says, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of the, our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in fear of Christ. So, giving thanks always for everything. This is always a good reminder for us because it's so easy to skip over our thanksgiving, uh, our thanking God. 
or just to throw out some thoughtless thanks or, or something that we just say because we know we should thank God, but we don't want to put in the mental effort to come up with something. So we just kind of throw in a filler there. Uh, I find myself being guilty of that. But taking time to give thanks to God, thanking him for specific things or acts is an important part of the Christian life. Giving thanks to God reminds us that he is the one who is in control. He is the one who gives good gifts to us. It is only through God's grace that we would have any goodness or pleasantness in this life. Now, this is one reason that I like the Acts prayer guide. It breaks prayer into four sections. Adoration, that's where we're giving praises to God. Confession, where we're confessing our sins. Thanksgiving, where we are thanking God. So there's that Thanksgiving here. We're putting that in there. If we build it into the structure of our prayers, it it, uh, helps us to remember that. And the last section would be supplication. So that's like our prayer requests. So adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, acts. Uh, So also, if you've not made it to our Wednesday night prayer meetings, it is so encouraging to hear what other people thank God for. Things that you wouldn't think to thank God for, but when you hear it, you think, oh yeah, thank you God for that too. It's so encouraging to hear that. Um, So um, those prayer meetings, I, I know we haven't had them a whole lot so far. We've, we've had two of those kind of those prayer meetings structured around the Acts prayer guide, um, but we're going to have another one, not this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday. This Wednesday, we're doing a home visit. The following Wednesday, we'll have another prayer meeting here. I strongly encourage everyone to come to that. It is, it's so encouraging. Um, and then, so Paul says, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. So Paul is going to elaborate on this statement Uh, quite a bit in the next couple sections, but let me sum it up for you. Faith in Jesus and surrender to the gospel causes major changes in the life. No longer are we living for ourselves or looking out for number one or being selfish or prideful. Instead, we are servants, putting others before ourselves. This behavior shows through in our marriages. This behavior shows through in the way that we act towards our parents and towards our children. This behavior shows in the way that we act in our workplace. The gospel affects every aspect of our life, being a servant. So Paul says to be careful how we live by submitting to one another, because the way we serve others should be a symbol for how Jesus came to serve us. So our application. Remember, our application always comes from our definition of a disciple, which we get from Matthew 4.19, where Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fish for people. So the knowing comes where Jesus says, follow me. And this is uh, that the disciple has accepted salvation through Jesus and the lordship of Jesus. The being is where Jesus says, I will make. And so the disciple is constantly being remade by Jesus through the gospel and the Holy Spirit. And then the doing is, well, doing the work of Jesus. That's where he says, I will make you fish for people. There's an action there where uh, we are doing the work of God. So the specific application points from this sermon, the knowing, being, and doing. Know is to know the Lord's will. This starts by knowing Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He loves you, and he gave his life as a ransom for you so that he could restore your relationship to God. Surrender to him as your Lord and Savior. But we can't stop there. We must continue to surrender to God's will each and every day. That's why we call him Lord, not just Savior. He is Lord because we surrender to him each and every day. But to know his will, we must study his word and apply it to our lives. The second application point is to be careful how you live. Remember, our life is a witness to those around us. Many of you know uh, Keith Comer from Go and Shine Ministries. He has a saying that's kind of stuck with me. He says, we're all witnesses. 
We have a choice, though, whether we want to be a good witness or a bad witness. But if you are a Christian, you are a witness. So being careful how we live is not just for those around us, but it's for our well-being also. Remember, Paul said, the days are evil, meaning that temptation, sin, and the enemy is always all around us, waiting for us to fail. And then the do application is to give thanks to God. Each of us have so many blessings that we can thank God for. But when we forget to give thanks, it's easy to forget just how gracious God is. Sometimes when we forget to give thanks to God, it leads us to think that we're the ones who should really get the thanks and the praise for all this good stuff that's going on. Then that pride starts to build up. But giving thanks helps, us, helps to remind us that God is the one who blesses us, and He's the one who deserves the thanks because He loves us. Make Thanksgiving part of your daily prayer life. And I'm going to say it again. I encourage you to come to one of our Wednesday night prayer meetings. It is, it's such a good time. Now, when I say good time, I don't mean it's like a fun party, but it, it's, it's encouraging and it's restoring to get to hear that time where we're to, coming together to give adoration toward God. We're coming together to confess our sins. Now, I will say there's a little bit of trepidation always with that when we're confessing our sins in front of each other. But I, as I've said uh, both in both of those previous prayer meetings, when we're praying and we're giving those confessions, and those of us who are listening, we don't sit back and say, ooh, shame on you for that. Oh, I can't believe they would do that. But instead, we sit back and we think, oh, me too. God, I confess that sin in me too because I see that same sin in my life. Just like listening to somebody else give thanks and it helps you to remember to thank God for those things, Listening to somebody else confess their sins helps you remember that, oh yeah, I'm guilty of that too. So yes, there is that, that little bit of discomfort there, but the growth that comes through that is so, so gratifying and, and, and encouraging. I keep using that word encouraging, but I think that's one of the best words that I can use for the, the sense that I get in those. It's, it's encouraging, and we're all growing closer to God together. So the next prayer meeting will be November 20th. That's two Wednesdays from now. Um, so our application points, know the Lord's will, be careful how you live, and give thanks to the Lord. Let us pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, again, God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have revealed yourself to us so that we can know you. God, we thank you that you are a God of relationship, that you love us enough that you wanted to fix the relationship that we broke. So God, we pray this morning that you will help us to grow closer to you each and every day. Help us to know your will. God, help us to be careful how we live and remind us constantly to give thanks to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you again for listening to this week's message. If you would like to know more information about our church, please visit victorybaptisthopemills.com or facebook.com slash vbchopemills. I would also like to ask that you rate and review this podcast. And if you found this sermon helpful, please share it.